Good evening, saints. Praise the Lord. Tonight, we would like to enjoy this part of how Peter encouraged the believers to continue to enjoy their church life. And how Peter encouraged them is by showing them, the believers, how we all been identified with Christ. Let's enjoy this hymn, hymn number 475. this eternal one. Amen. Resurrection, risen now to live in thee. Amen. 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 
One with thee, thou son of Phoenix, seated with thee on the throne. Authority we share and rule with thee, thy rank of one. Hallelujah. One with thee, thou son retaining. Glorified, we will be able to manifest thy beauty. One with thee, eternally. Hallelujah. One with thee. One down, son ascended, seated with thee on the throne. Amen. authority we share, and rule with thee, thy our own. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. One with thee, thy son incarnate, born with thee, the man of word. We, the members of thy body, will be here on earth. One with thee, thy son anointed, Death can never us oppress. Yes. Life, leave me in thy new creation. Amen. 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 If you have your own hymnal, let's underline the eighth aspect of the sun. The eighth aspect of the sun revealed in this hymn. And I hope maybe some of one, some of us that below 40 years old can remember these eight items eight aspects of the sun and if you have something on your hand you can underline in verse one we have this sun is the eternal one saints he is the eternal one <laughs> and number two uh also under the first line on the first verse he is also son beloved when he baptized, the father said, he is my beloved. So he's the eternal one. He also the beloved. And then verse 2, you underline son incarnated, the incarnated one. And within verse 2, you also son anointed. He is incarnated, yet he was anointed. <clears throat> okay. Um, he became a man incarnated and after 30 years he was anointed amen to carry out his service his life and service and then verse 3 
He also have son forsaken. He was the one being forsook. And then in verse 3, yet he was the resurrected one, the son in resurrection. Amen. I hope you can remember that one. Incarnated, the son anointed, the one forsook, yet the one resurrected. Amen. That can never suppress him. And the last verse, in verse 4, son ascended. Amen. After he was resurrected, then he was ascended. The son ascended, and also he will come back, son returning. All these eight items reveal the three stages of the full ministry of Christ. In verse 2, reveal the stage of his incarnation, that he became a man, fulfill God's redemption. He not only born to be a man, but he brought God to mingle with men. That is his first ministry. And in the second ministry, is the ministry of his inclusion. First is incarnation. <coughs> Second is inclusion, that he became the life-giving spirit. And everything, what he is, what he has, what he has accomplished, everything are included in this life-giving spirit. That we call that the stage of his inclusion, the second stage of his ministry, that is in heavenly ministry. Uh, as the pneumatic, as the air, life-giving spirit. And the third stage of his ministry are on verse 4. That is, in his ascension, he is carrying out his ministry in the heaven to intensify his move. We call that the stage of intensification. Wonderful. What a revelation that Christ carried out his full ministry in three stages. The first stage we call incarnation. The second stage we call that inclusion. The third stage we call that intensification. Saints, can you remember this? These are the new language. We are come out from Babylon. We have to learn how to speak the new language in our new culture. And this hymn revealed to us the full, uh, the three stages of the full ministry of Christ. Inclusion, uh, inten incarnation, inclusion, and intensification. In his incarnation, he became a man and he was anointed. In his inclusion, he'd been forsaken, yet he passed through all the curse, become the life-giving spirit in his resurrection. And then the stage of his intensification, he as the son been ascended, uh, carry out his eternal purpose in a way of intensification to take care of the degradation of the church, 
in order to prepare for his coming, for his returning. These are the three stages of Christ's full ministry. Let's sing this hymn again. Now, when you understand, you will not only enjoy, know how to enjoy this hymn, but if you feel you are 40 years old and below, you better learn to memorize the constituted by the eight aspects of the sun. Amen. Okay, uh, Brother Etienne, can you play the music for us again? Then we all can learn how to sing this hymn. So it's not a very long uh, scripture reading tonight. Etienne, I think you can just break us up in groups for 
say five minutes, then saints, we just read through these verses. And then after you, you read through it, it will be very good if we can just make these verses our prayer to the Lord. So we can really get into it in a, uh, just prepare our being to receive from the Lord. So we don't just want to read the verses and then we're like, Peter's writing is quite incredible. Brown sisters, it's so wonderful to get into Peter's writings. So, so as we're getting into it, there's a lot that's in these verses and we can just use a little bit of our time to, to digest it a bit through our prayer. So Etienne, you can break us up in groups for uh, five minutes. And then even if you just read through the verses quickly. Maybe I don't know, but each one can pick up one word out of these five verses. Hmm. Amen. Six verses. Saints in our group, please share everyone what is the favorite word that you like in these six verses. Amen. Yeah, yeah I hope. Uh, I think all of us are back in the main room again. And I hope you enjoyed those verses. Um, Peter's writing is very, um, the Lord really did something in our dear brother. He, he was not very educated. He did not have a, a very, you know, like a, a strong educational background or anything. But the Lord really perfected him and, and uh, transformed him, made him a living stone through which he is now building up the body. So we are so thankful that we can have and get into those writings because Peter expresses things that uh, really is unique and um, is really, a, there's a need for us to see these things that Peter are, are, are writing to us. So last week, we, we ended with this matter of the precious blood of Christ in verse 19 that saved us from our vain manner of life in verse 18. Um, and then I was just, uh, I saw in the, in the life study where brother Lee talks about this matter. He encourages us all to spend a long time to consider the precious blood of Christ and what it is working out for us. Brothers and sisters, this is not a small matter. What God has accomplished through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is why Peter uses this expression, the precious blood, not just the blood of Christ, but there, there is something precious about this that we need to appreciate because this blood, brothers and sisters, it saves us from our vain manner of life. A vain manner of life, living a vain life, is not just um, living a life without sin. You can live a very moral life. And still live a vain life. So this matter of uh, being purified, being cleansed by this precious blood of Christ is to set us apart for the Lord. It's to set us apart for the Lord. It's not to make us, the Lord doesn't want to restore us to a pre-fallen condition where all our sins are just man is without sin. He actually wants to accomplish his purpose, brothers and sisters. He wants to attain his goal. He wants us to live a life that is filled with purpose, that has a goal before it, that has an aim. Where our lives, this is, what, this is the opposite of having a vain manner of life. 
A vain manner of life is living a life without purpose, without a goal, without an aim. And of course, this purpose, goal, and aim is nothing apart from God's economy. This is what God purposed for man. Even tonight, we'll see. We have been foreknown and foreordained with the Lord Jesus before the foundation of the world. So God has a very, very, very clear purpose within his being. God is not an aimless being. God does not live a vain manner of life. He doesn't speak vain words. He doesn't do things without purpose. That doesn't mean that our lives are filled with just reading the Bible the whole time. And I'm encouraging you to quit your secular job and just live a kind of a life like maybe, I don't know, what we might perceive to be a holy life. But actually, to, to live a holy life is to have all our living set apart for the Lord to fulfill his purpose. Brothers and sisters, this is not a small matter. In fact, this is what our lives are for. This is why God created man, and this is what Christ redeemed us for, is so that we would not live a vain manner of life, so that our lives would be filled with God's purpose. Amen. There's a young people hymn that talks about life. Christ has come to be life, the process divine trinity. Then eventually it says, though life flows and it's free, it's not meant for mere victory. Life has a purpose. I don't have the exact words now. But anyway, this life is flowing with the purpose. And eventually, brothers and sisters, it will flow us all into the new Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So this life, this purpose, this um, goal of ours, this aim that, that then begins to become a part of us, not just the Lord now has a purpose, but we now begin to live a life with purpose with the goal, is nothing apart from the life that we have received through our Lord's precious blood. Okay, so tonight we want to get into this matter of being foreknown. So in verse 20, Peter says, who was foreknown before the foundation of the world. This foreknown, it actually shows us that God has predetermined he has he has uh determined that christ would come to be our redeemer this is not something that happened by accident brothers and sisters the lord didn't by accident is like ah oh, after i created man and you fell this is not you know what am i going to do now uh, i i i i didn't expect that to happen actually here it says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So even before anything transpired in time, there was a consideration within God, and he foreknew the Lord Jesus. Okay? This word foreknown, it has this, this uh, word know in it, right? That's the, that's the base of this word is to and then there's the prefix for known okay but in english we just have the word no here 
But this word, actually, there's a lot of riches in this word in the Greek that it's hard for us to really grasp just in English. So what this word actually wants to convey to us, what Peter is conveying to us through this word knowing is an approval. It includes approval. It includes appreciation. And then because of this approval that brings in the appreciation, there is possession. For God to have foreknown Christ, for God to know Christ, is to uh, approve of Christ, to appreciate him, and to possess him. So, just like when uh, the angel came to Joseph, it, anyway, before that conversation, says that Joseph had not yet known Mary, okay, uh, before he had known her. So that obviously doesn't mean he didn't know about her. He was engaged to her. <laughs> it means that she was not yet his possession. He had not yet possessed Mary as his wife. Okay. So for God to foreknow Christ is to, is to approve of him, to appreciate him, and to possess him. Saints, this is the same with us. This is God's view of you and me. Every dear believer, in verse 2, Peter tells us, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Do you realize this about yourself? You have been foreknown. God set you aside. He, he appreciated. He approved of us. And he, had, he has now taken possession of us. Okay, now this word foreknown can also be translated foreordained. So God has not only foreknown us, but he's also foreordained us. And he's foreordained Christ. I went to look up this word ordained in the, in the dictionary just on my phone. And it's quite interesting what comes up. The first thing that comes up is like... A, <laughs> like from a wiki page. So I don't know, but anyway, when my phone, when I search the, when I look up the thing, it, it gives me the wiki answer. And then, so it tells me, uh, there's this picture of a Pope or a, a priest or some someone being ordained. So that's a, you know, like a very religious concept. Okay, someone is being ordained as this priest or something. But in some way, brothers and sisters, this is what happened to Christ. He before the foundation of the world, God foreordained him. God set him apart. He, he, he ordained Christ. He, let's put it this way. He ordained the Son of God to be the Christ. Because Christ means the anointed one, right? It means the saint one, the Messiah. Christ is the Messiah, is the saint one. So in the Trinity... There was some consideration. And out of that consideration, Christ was foreordained. Not according to you know, our human concepts, but God, even before the foundation of the world, he ordained Christ. He ordained the Son of God to be the Christ. And this is how the triune God was operating 
in order to work out redemption for man, even before the foundation of the world. So what about us? Well, in verse 2, when it says, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, you know what? God set aside, he set apart his son to be ordained as the Christ. And you know what happened to us? At that same time, God ordained for you and for me to be set apart. He foreordained us to, to be those who would become his children, to be those who would, who would receive him as life, to be those whom God could save through the precious blood of Christ. In verse 2, it actually speaks of how the triune God is operating. We were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Then, carrying out that choosing of God, in time, we were sanctified by the Spirit. So the sanctification of the Spirit, we've spoken about this, is based upon the Father's choosing of us, based upon His foreknowing of you, based upon His foreordination of you. Brothers and sisters, what other ordination do we need? Do we need some other kind of person to come and ordain us? This is so precious to me. When we look at ourselves, I considered Romans. In Romans chapter 9, I think it is. Is it 9? Yes. Uh, in verse 9, uh, it says, for this is the word of promise. At this time next year, I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only so, but Rebecca also having conceived by one, Isaac, our father. So Rebecca had to conceive by Isaac. Okay. Though the children had not yet been born, nor had done anything good or bad. Okay. Not good, not bad. That the purpose of God, according to selection, might remain, not of works, but of him who calls. And then it goes on to say, it, it was said to her, the greater shall serve the less. And it was written, Jacob I have loved and Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is there unrighteousness with God? Absolutely not. For Moses for to Moses, he says, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy on. I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him who wills. Uh, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Brothers and sisters, we need to, we need to enter into this revelation of Peter. He saw something here. He saw the foreordination of Christ and he saw the foreordination of you and me. Out of so many, actually, during this time, in eternity past, I don't know exactly what it looked like. Okay, but anyway, here's the triune God and the whole human race is before him. All of Adam's descendants. Okay, we know we all come from Adam, right? All I have. You know, Adam is, you know, we inherit our, our, our natural life from Adam, our sin, anyway. But there is the whole human race before God. 
And out of that human race, he chooses some. Before they were born, before they'd done good or bad, like Romans tells us, that they haven't done anything. They haven't, they haven't been even born. Before we even existed, in a sense, well, we, we, it's hard for us to understand this, right? Because we live in time and everything happens in time. So how can God choose me before I even existed? Well, to God, there is no time, right? So, so he, from an eternal perspective, sees the whole human race. And out of that human race, brothers and sisters, God foreordains some out of every tribe, out of every tongue. He chooses you and he chooses me. We are here tonight because of God's foreordination of us. What a, what a wonderful revelation that it is not of him who wills, nor of us who, who, who try and work this out, but of him who shows mercy. It's not of us who run. We need to see that, that this is God's view of you. His view of you is that he wants to set you apart. Even when the Lord Jesus, in time, when he got baptized in Matthew, um, uh, okay, in Matthew uh, 3, verse 17, okay, uh, let's read verse 16. And having been baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens saying, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I have found my delight. So God's choosing of us, brothers and sisters, of course, it is not apart from Christ. In, in Ephesians, Paul tells us that we were chosen. Um, even as he chose us in him, Ephesians 1.4, before the foundation of the world. Okay. But, but you notice here it says, even as he chose us in him. So there is this beloved. The father finds his delight in this one. He just appreciates him. He approves of him. And then he possesses him. So with us, well, you might say, Lord, what do I have? Well, it is not of him who chooses, not of him who runs. Well, of him who wills, not of him who runs. But of him who chooses, right? It's of him who chooses. He chose us. What did we have to do with it? In eternity past, God chose us. Brothers and sisters, if we have this view, then we'll be able to look away from ourselves, looking away from our own environment, our own shortcomings, our own lack, what we, what we can or what we cannot do. We look away unto Jesus, the one who has perfected us, the one in whom the Father finds his delight. And now with this one, when we were chosen, we, so the Father chose Christ right? And now we are Christians, right? Or Christ men. He is the anointed one. He is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. But we are the little Christ, the little anointed ones. We are members of his body. So we are also in Christ. We have been anointed. We've been attached to this one. The head has been anointed and this anointing runs down, right? 
from Aaron's head, down the beard, down his garments. This is our position, brothers and sisters. And the reason why we why God can choose us is because he lives outside of time. Even in Revelation, this is our destiny, saints. John says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, you already saw it. Well, Lord, is it there or is it not there? Well, he saw it. According to the Lord, from the foundation of the world, Christ was crucified. According to the Lord, we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Well, how does that happen, Lord, when I wasn't even born? Well, God has this eternal perspective. And so we, you know our destiny, brothers and sisters, our destiny is the new, the first heaven and the first earth passed away and the sea is no more. Hallelujah. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Wow, there's a lot in this word knowing, right? God foreknew us. The foreknowledge of God. He, he wants to take possession of us. And then we become the bride, the new Jerusalem. Okay, so eventually, what can we say? You know, people argue about these things. Oh, has God chosen? Hasn't God chosen? If it, you know, it's up to me and, you know, all kinds of things. But what we can say is we just say, praise the Lord for his foreknowledge. Praise the Lord that his foreknowledge, in his foreknowledge, he, he prepared Christ. Before the foundation of the world, he prepared him to be our savior. And when he foreordained and foreknew Christ, he foreordained us and prepared us. And he chose us before the foundation of the world. And eventually, out of all these different tribes, he chose all kinds of people from all different races, all different millions of, of ones, across, uh, you know, all across the, the, this, time that we live in and so we can just say praise you lord thank you it is not of me who wills it's not of me who runs lord but you foreordained me i have a father who has ordained me this is this is what we have brothers and sisters we don't need any other ordination we need god's ordination praise the lord Okay, so then later on in verse 20, it says that uh, God, who foreknew us, has been, uh, but has been manifested. Okay, sorry, the, the, speaking about Christ, who was foreknown, okay, um, but has been manifested in the last of these times for your sake. Okay, so now Christ was not manifested for the sake of God. He was manifested for our sake. In fact, according to God's view, Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. Everything had already been accomplished by Christ. But for our sake, he was manifested. So God, in time, he carries out his economy. This purpose that was within God, this, 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 this longing, this desire, this, um, uh, his, his heart, what was with, hidden within God, eventually he made a purpose and a will, which is his economy, to carry out something. 
And that happens within time. So in time, God created man. Then eventually many things transpired, right? In the Old Testament, man became utterly fallen. He chose Abraham. Out of this chosen race, there would be a Messiah who would come. Out of the, um, he would be a seed of David, right? And then this one would come to save us. And in John 6, not only did the Lord become incarnated, he took on flesh. But in John 7, it says that uh, the Lord cries out at the last day of this feast. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, which was not yet, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So this Lord Jesus in time had to be glorified. When he was glorified, what happened? He became the life-giving spirit. The last Adam, this Christ, the anointed one, became a life-giving spirit. So now the Lord is carrying out something within time. And this is the within this dispensation, within this time, he has now become manifested in the last of these times. So maybe in eternity past, God already foreknew him to be uh, crucified. But now in time, he's being made manifest in time. The Father, who dwells in unapproachable light, has become manifest. And all his living, everything that he accomplished, became manifested. And eventually, praise the Lord, this, this, this wonderful triune God. Eventually, it says that uh, he was raised, okay, uh, who threw him, believing into God, believing to God, who raised him from the dead. Okay, so this Christ... He came and and eventually, after death, God raised him. And in resurrection, we know he became a life-giving spirit. So in time, God is revealing this. Okay, God is working this out for our sake. Um, so now in verse 21, I already mentioned this matter of the, the, of the Lord being raised. But it's interesting. It, it says in verse 21, it begins, Who through him believe into God. Okay, that who is us. Okay, so now through him, through Christ, we believe into God. He is like an intermediary. Actually, he is the only intermediary. Brothers and sisters, he is the only way. He says in John, no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. There is no other way. Okay, so through him, we believe what? into God. So eventually we, this Christ becoming manifested, doesn't just become manifested. It's like that hymn that we sang. Okay. Now we're one with him. Now he has, he has become manifested, but he's become manifested in such a way that we are now in God. We have been joined to God. There is now an organic union between us who believe and God, everything that Christ has accomplished is now a part of us. We now enter into him and he enters into us. Okay, so, so we, through him, we now believe into God. Wow, you just see how God is operating here, right? I appreciate this. Um, we're still speaking of uh, this full salvation of the triune God. 
and its issues. Okay, this is what the Triune God is, is how he's saving us. He's saving us in such a full way that we are not just believing to like, okay, now I don't have to, you know, suffer or something, but we believe into God, okay, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. And this is the fulfillment of the Lord's Prayer in John 17, verse 1. So in John 17, 1, the Lord prays and he says, Father, glorify me. Uh, let me just quickly read that verse. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. So this is the fulfillment of that verse. When the Lord was resurrected, he was brought into glory. What a glory that death could not hold him. Death was not able to hold this wonderful one who was ordained by God. What a glory. What a glory that he even ascended. He is now as a man sitting at the right hand of God. He will be, he will receive this glory. This he gave him glory. Okay. This glory even includes his returning. When the Lord returns, you will receive the kingdom. Okay. And then eventually, this issues in something. Okay. What does it issue in? So that your faith and hope are in God. So that your faith and your hope are in God. So eventually, all of this has an issue. God's foreordination of Christ, God's foreordination of us, eventually has an issue. Faith and hope in God. Through this faith, we enter into an organic union with God. And now we have a hope. Brothers and sisters, I'm so thankful we have a hope. Our hope is where? Our hope is in God. Our hope is not on this earth. Sometimes, yeah, if you look, if you read too much news, you will, um, I, I think you will not only lose hope, but you will also become depressed. Okay, there's no hope in, in, in what we see around us. Brothers and sisters, our hope is not in the present age. I don't, with that, I don't mean to say we neglect our responsibility before the Lord to carry out his economy and fulfill his purpose on this earth. But our hope is in God. Even in Colossians, Paul tells us that our life, um, Colossians 3, uh, set your mind on the things which are above, not on the things which are on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What a hope is this, brothers and sisters? This hope is a hope in the divine life. This hope is a, is a hope that one day we will really experience the full salvation of God. We're experiencing his coming into our spirit, regenerating us, making us the sons of God. We're busy experiencing him transforming us, spreading this life into all the inner parts of our being, into our mind, into our emotion, into our, 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 our will, transforming us, conforming us to the image of the firstborn son. And eventually, our hope is that even our bodies will be glorified like his. This divine life will eventually spread and occupy, possess, saturate, and permeate our entire being. What a hope is this? Our hope is not, our hope, 
what our hope is this. Our hope is in God, which is altogether a matter of this organic union we have with God in life. Not a matter of outward things, not a matter of doing things, not a matter of him who, you know, works good or bad, but a matter of an organic union, life, a matter of life in God. Praise the Lord. We have such a hope. Brothers and sisters, oh, may the Lord really open our eyes to see how the Lord, what is in his heart concerning us. How he had this, this feeling toward us, even in eternity past. This really fills us with hope, right? Amen. Okay. I will end there, Brother John. Then continue, brother. Amen. Thank you, Adrian. Saints, praise the Lord. We have the epistle of Peter. Peter wrote this epistle. If you open your Bible in the first page of Peter, <clears throat> this book was written in AD 64. And we know uh, by AD 70, 70, uh, Prince Titus came to Jerusalem and did a lot of devastation destroyed in Jerusalem. Six years before Prince Titus come, God's people, many of them been scattered, been spread, dispersed to many areas, such as in verse one. Verse one, Peter wrote this book to encourage many God's people. And many of them scattered, dispersed to different places. They left, they left the wonderful church life in the day of Pentecost. In the day of Pentecost, they stay in Jerusalem, happy church life. They have home meetings, breaking the bread, our teachings, fellowship, wonderful. But this time, many God's people, you may consider, they already left the church life, spread out, discouraged. And Peter wrote this epistles or this letter is a verse one. Peter, being an apostle, being sent by Christ Jesus, writing to writing the letter to the sojourners of the dispersion, to those uh, to the place of Pontius, Galatia, which is the province, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. All these are on the northern part of Jerusalem. They've been dispersed, scattered. Many of them got discouraged. Many of them got disappointed. Before we were in Jerusalem, we have a wonderful church life. And now we've been no more church life, no more home meetings. And plus, um, when they left the church life, they received a lot of different teachings. Some even just tell them, what is disciple talking? Let's go back to Moses' teaching, the word of God. That is the original word of God. Okay. Uh, are, you, uh, are you just listening to this fisherman? What are they talking? That Nazareth Jesus, 
Who is that one? Let's come back. Let's keep the law. That is the word of God and the teaching of Moses, the teaching of all the prophets. They are telling us Messiah will come. But now these disciples, these fishermen, they call themselves apostles and they are doing this kind of story. What about Jesus? The Nazareth Jesus, he even was crucified. <coughs> and now let's go back to the original. Just like today, many people ignore the teaching of what we receive, the salvation. Let's go back to original. Let's go back to the word of God, Hebrew roots. Let's go back to where the original thing were found. And by this time, this is how Peter encouraged the saints who were being dispersed, being left the church life and being disturbed by all kinds of teaching. And what Adrian mentioned, this part is actually very profound. This is quite precious. I, I don't know how Peter can have that kind of revelation. Look, in verse 18, uh, Peter chapter 1, verse Peter chapter 1, verse 18, he says, knowing that it was not with the corrupted things, with the silver or gold that you redeem from your vain manner of life that is handed down by your forefathers. You were not redeemed by all these corrupted things and gold and silver. No, 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 no. You were not redeemed by the money. And that, that money, in fact, at that time, all this wealth already corrupted. And they thought we were belong to the ch chosen race of Abraham. And these are talking about their forefather, their, their ancestors. The Judaism, uh, the religious people are very much inclined to the fathers, to the forefathers. And then this is tradition. The, Peter said, you are not redeemed because of your tradition. And then verse 19, he said, no. It does not mean you pay, then you become a Christian. It does not mean you do some good things and you were redeemed by, by, this, um, by this corrupted gold and silver and redeemed from the vain manner of life. Actually, those money that redeem you just bring you to this vain manner of life. Your life is empty, no meaning. You just think I'm a religious, I'm in this kind of religion. I'm a member of the church. No. But verse 19, he said, but you're redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb is without blemish, without spot. That is the blood of Christ. And then verse 20, that is what Adrian mentioned today. This blood, this Christ, the one that redeemed you, this Christ has been foreknown before the creation of the world. Don't think 
that what this Judaism is telling you, uh, Christ was die on the cross, man, and what our kind of the story is, and he will redeem you. No, Peter said, no, 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 no. The Christ was redeemed not only a few years ago. Christ was redeemed before, okay? before even the world was created. Yeah. It was redeemed. Christ already died for us before the foundation. That is before the earth was created. Christ was known by God. Has been but the blood of Christ is already been shed before the foundation of the world. But during last days, those last few years, the time when Peter wrote, or today we say 2,000 years ago, it was just manifest, just displayed for you, for your sake. It was not just few years that he died. In God's eyes, he already died before he laid the foundation of the world. But it is, oh, praise the Lord, I love that word, being foreknown. That foreknown, that is, uh, Adrian explained that one, foreknown is God's acknowledge, God ordain, God appreciate, God receive as possession. That, that is a very rich word of foreknown. Just like Joseph and Mary, Joseph did not receive Mary yet, not foreknown, not known yet. But Christ was known by the Father. And at the same time, saints, we were foreknown also. Before you were born, you were being foreknown. This is how Peter wrote to Christian believers who have been dispersed. Um, whether you like it or not, or you know or not, but I like to tell you, when Christ been foreknown by God before the foundation, we were all there. When Christ anointed by God, we were all been anointed. Of course, you know, he just only displayed uh, 60, 60 years ago when Christ was on the cross. He just, for our sake, he just manifested. It just, is that replay? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, just manifest, just to let us know for our sake, not for God's sake, but for our sake. Is that a revelation, saints? This word foreknown, talk about his eternity. Eternity, that means have no time limit. <laughs> Not inside the realm of time. Because he is God. He is not just died 60 years ago, but he were foreknown, being crucified, being anointed before the foundation of the world. And verse 21, through him that we believe, we believe because Christ died for us and through him that is he is our intermediary 
through him. He did not just die because he wanted to die. He died for us. So because he died, he crucified, and through him, we believe into God. That belief means identifying, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith sends your underline through him. He through, he died so that through him, we can believe into God. You know the word believe? You have me, you have to underline into. Through him, we get into God. <clears throat> he said, no one can come to the Father except to me, through me. He died, so he become an access for us to get into God. By believing, we believe he brought us into God. Well, outwardly, we've been dispersed. Peter said, no, you have been acknowledged by God. You got to know this thing. God already appointed Christ as well as appointed us. God know Christ as well as God know us. Don't be disappointed. Don't be disturbed by all these different teachings. These people who want to bring you back, telling you this is nonsense or they're talking. This is the reality. Peter strengthened, comfort the dispersed believers. God already know us. We're in a process. Suppose today, you know, you win the lotto and you're going to go to have a holiday. Ticket is free. Hotel is free. Food is free. You're going to have a wonderful time there. You're going to say, no, I'm full. We've got a living hope. You're not going to be hopeless. And this is how Peter encouraged them. Oh, you've been known. You've been foreknown. Christ already died before the foundation of the world so that through him we believe into God and so that by faith our hope are in God. You underline the word so that. So that what? No, he died. He crucified for known by God. God already saw that. He just displayed and manifest to us so that our faith and hope Underline another word, are, are in God. is not might be in God. No, 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 no. Are in God. That means everything is of God. It's done by God. We believe into God and our faith and our hope are in God. We don't trust our money, our gold and silver, which corrupted. <clears throat> And cause us to live a vain manner of life. No. And this is how Peter encouraged the saints. Saints, um, no, why we discourage? Because we forget that God already appointed us, God already anointed us the time when He anointed Christ. And we, by faith, that means by identifying. Because of his death, we can identify. That identified, we call that faith. We can organically union with Christ. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. That when Christ 
anointed by the Father, we attach to Christ. We already been, also have been anointed. You know, uh, is that a good picture, saints? Peter said, God anointed Christ. You also have been anointed. This is the hope of our glory. We have a living hope. You're all going to be experienced what Christ experienced. He is in glory, and we are in the process to be in the glory. This is how he encouraged the believers that has been dispersed. And now, verse 22. Since you have purified, that is past tense, perfect tense, you already been purified your soul by your obedience to the truth. Unto unfeigned brotherly love, love one another from a pure heart fervently. What is this? Peter. He said, God already appointed Christ, and we have faith in Christ, and our faith and hope are in God. Christ is an access, is an intermediary that we can get into God, and our faith is also in God. Why? Since you already, by the obedience of the truth, you already purified your soul. Peter encouraged the dispersed believers, obedient to the truth. That obedience is to touch, to experience the truth in a subjective way. This is how we obedient to the truth. How can we purify our soul? Number one is by obedient to the truth. Make the truth become so real to us become reality to us that is obedient to the truth. Just like John 3.16, if you just say, oh, John 3.16, for, for God so loved the world. Okay, God loved the world. That is not obedient to the truth. Just like a knowledge. No. When you really love God, love the world, then say, Lord, I'm also in the world. I'm a part of the world. God loved the world. Oh, God, you love me so much. You know, you make the truth become your subjective experience. This is obedient to the truth. Not just, no, okay, I know that. Okay. That is not faith. You know, obedient to the truth causes us to purify our soul. It is since you have been purified your soul by the obedience to the truth. And what is this truth? These truths are the word that is real to us. You make the truth, the word of God, so real to us. The apostles' teaching make the word so real. Where all the prophets are referring, then the apostles' teaching make this word become real. The apostles say, this is the Lamb of God, the one that died for us. And where all the prophet talking, the Lamb, the Christ, the Christo, the Messiah, this is the one. 
So the apostles' teaching make the truth, make the word of God real to us. And today we are obedient to the truth, to this teaching. I'm sure at that time, many were not easy to receive the apostles' teaching. They want the Pharisees' teaching. Pharisees teach them the word of God, Torah, <laughs> uh, all these commandments. But some of them were not easy to take that word. They would just like feel we want original word of God. We don't want the teaching of the fishermen. But Peter said, you already obedience to this truth, to the truth which the apostles already speak to you. And then um, by this obedience to the truth, you have been purified your soul. Your soul, because of the truth, being purified. You need to purify your truth. After you receive the truth, you need to purify your soul. This truth purify your soul. <clears throat> Do not let your soul running around being uh, misled, deceived by many people. Look at uh, purified there. Mm, purified your soul is mm, by mm, girding up the loin of your mind. Verse 13. How do you purify your soul? That means you have to gird up the loin of your mind. Loin. That is waste. That is where you move. No, don't let your mind, just like a wandering mind, is just spread out, open, just like a public park. Everybody can come in. All kind of teaching come in. You have to gird the loin of your mind. Um, people come in and tell you, uh, while you enjoy the church life, Maybe someone with a theology degree, master degree, doctor degree of theology is telling you, what is recovery? The Lord's recovery, that's even in the Bible. Where does this come from? Oh, this from Witnessly. Oh. And they say, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not in the Bible. Okay? And then at that time, you think, but he is a theology. I'm sure he must be something. But at the same time, I enjoy the church life. Mm -hmm. And some might even say, oh, we are too, you're too narrow. You're too narrow, a bit open. You just only read these books of morning revival. <clears throat> then you start, oh, okay, yeah, 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 we have to be open. Girded the loin of your mind. And suppose this pastor or this kind of high status, high, high title, then come to these young people, these young people might start confusing. You know, what is this now? What is this? They start doubting. Okay? They start questioning. No. Then that means you know, his soul, his soul is being polluted. His mind has been disturbed. His will is shaking. Even his love starts 
a kind of losing the purity of loving God's economy, God's plan, God's heart. You know, this is something, his mind being polluted in this part, verse 22, okay, purify your soul. How do you purify your soul? That means gird, you know, gird you know, is to tighten it, bound it. Do not let some dissenting one, do not let some dissenting one come to disturb you. You know, sometimes we feel someone that is outside the church life, uh, some heathen unbelievers, but as well as some believers. Some believers also, um, you know the word dissenting? Dissenting is the declaration of disagreement. That means dissenting. Some people had been in the church life, but they have some disagreement what the church life is all about. And then they will come to disturb the saints so that the saints, their mind got polluted. When the mind got polluted, then you start wobbling, questioning this brother, that brother, this sister, that sister, all kind of questioning because basically they are not happy. So far, I would like to tell you, most of the saints, when they left the church life, they come to pollute the believers with two factors. Number one, they will say, we also follow the ministry. We are also using watch many writings. Okay. But they will say, you know, we follow watch many. Look, watch many say, watch many say this one. <clears throat> They use that one of teaching to confuse you. And then you say, oh, they're also the ministry. But what is this now today? You're talking about New Jerusalem. No, 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 no. Okay. Watch many say, watch many they say this thing. This caused you a lot of problems. But today the church life becomes not so real. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, this is another teaching. <clears throat> the second thing, what they bring to the saints is this kind of discouragement that is the church has no reality. Ah, oh, these brothers, today the church life in local church is already off, okay? not much reality. Just talk, talk, talk. No real, no love, no caring. Look, even no improving, no, no fruits. This kind, we call that dissenting ones. They declare of disagreement. If you go to dictionary, it will just tell you okay, they, they decline, they refuse to be bound by the established practice of the church life. Or they re refuse to be bound by the rules. These are the dissenting ones. But saints, we have to purify our soul purify our soul by enjoying the word of the truth. We have to obedient, get into the word of the truth and purify our souls. That our soul must be cleansed, must be purified. If this dissenting one, just like God's people at that time, they've been dispersed, 
And then people just come. Let's go back to Old Testament. Let's go back to the original word of God. You know, again, we mentioned yeah, in the beginning of the church life in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we saw there are four basic foundation of the church life. How the church life come in. The church life come in because they continue steadfastly in the teaching and the fellowship of the apostles. Wow. That is the foundation of the church life. And then they break the bread and they pray. These are the four foundations of the church life. What's number one? Is the teaching of the apostles, not the teaching of the Pharisees, not the teaching of the scribes, but the teaching of these disciples. These disciples, they follow the Lord. They know what the Lord is doing, or they found that this is the very God. Okay. He's the Son of God. Oh, this is the real Messiah. So the apostles are these disciples who start to bring in this kind of teaching. He said, this Jesus is the explanation of God, is the description of God, is the expression of the very God. Mm. This is the teaching of the apostles. And because of that teaching, it brings in the fellowship. The teaching generates the fellowship. No teaching, there is just friendship. Saints, we are not here just for friendship. We fellowship because we have the teaching. The same teaching bring in the fellowship. The teaching generates the fellowship. That fellowship causes us to have brotherly love. The teaching causes us to have unfeigned love. You know, unfeigned, that is not fake, not uh, a mask, but it's a genuine. And that is unfeigned love. That kind of fellowship brings us to love one another. Teaching generates fellowship. Fellowship brings us to the expression of the body that is breaking the bread. While we teaching, we bring in fellowship. Fellowship brings in the manifestation of the body of Christ. That's why we break the bread. To break the bread is not only to remember how Christ died for us. To break the bread is we manifest the body of Christ in this locality. And then the breaking of bread brings us to take care of God's move. That is by prayer. That prayer is not just for healing someone's sicknesses. But that prayer is to drive to bring, to motivate the saints to participate in God's move. That is the prayer. These are the four foundations of the church life. If you take away these four, the church life is hanging in the air. Today, we have the church life because of the apostles' teaching bring, generates the apostles' fellowship. The apostles' fellowship manifests the body of Christ the body of Christ bringing God's move. That's through prayer. This is how Peter encouraged him. Okay? Purify your soul. Do not let all these things to disturb you. And this thing will pollute. 
pollute your mind, your emotion, and your will. But if you obey to the truth that what we have preached to you, what we have shared and fellowship to you, it will purify your soul. And when your soul being purified, you have unfeigned brotherly love. Here is not just only love, but it's an unfeigned brotherly love. Love one another. And then the last word you underline is fervently. So we have purified, obedience, unfeigned, and fervent. We love with the real heart. We love our brother. We love God. We love our brothers. That is fervently love. And then verse 23, we having been regenerated. That means the seed of life has been regenerated us. Not corruptible seed, but the word of God as seed of life has been get into us. We receive. This is uncorruptible through the living and abiding word. That word is logos. The logos, word of God. What we have heard, the word is logos. Okay, When the word becomes acting, operating, that logos becomes rhema. <laughs> what we receive is logos. And what we live out, what we enjoy is Rema. Yeah. And then it's a verse 24 is very famous. All flesh, that means all the fallen men are like the grass. A lot of activities. Keep the law doing this. We like grass. Grass, a lot of activities move when the wind blows. All grass, it will, all flesh is like grass. And all the achievement, all the glory. Are like the flower uh, of the glass of grass, and grass will get dry, and the flower will fall, fell, flower fell. But the word of God, okay, the seed of life, has been sown into the fallen man. Yeah. Saints, if we do not have the seed of life, we just like grass, and we have some achievement, just like flower. And all grass will get dried and the flower will fall. Nothing left. But praise the Lord. We've been regenerated because of the word of the Lord. It will abide forever. Amen. We have the word today. Don't let all these things, outward things. These are all fallen flesh. The Lord already appointed. God already anointed Christ. We already we also have been anointed today, the seed of life as the word of life sown into us. Everything passed away, but the word of the Lord abides forever. This is the word which has announced to you as the gospel. Peter just said, You receive this word. Don't forget that word. This word is Christ. This word is the word of God as the seed of life has been sown into us. We've been foreknown, have been chosen. We will be, Christ is our life. We will be manifest with him in glory. Amen. Oh, even in a way, this kind of dispersion. But this will not cause us to be disappointed. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah for this part. We have we purified ourselves. Don't let this word disturb us, cause us disappointed. 
but keep our soul girded what is that girded up the loin of your mind don't let your mind be passive receive all kind of teachings but keep obedient to the truth let's follow the truth that has been revealed to us praise the lord and how about let's get into our groups and then we can have more of saints i feel we must also learn to get this word constituted into us that we're able to speak how do you say about the purified of our soul and how about god's ordain anyway let's learn into a group let's learn from one another in our group Amen.